1: Maybe not for kids. Hey, welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's Parenting Podcast, for Thursday, May 27th, the Acne Flashbacks edition. I'm Dan Koyce. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 16, and Harper, who's 13. And we live in Arlington, Virginia.
0: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry who's nine, Oliver who's seven, and Teddy, who's fabulous four. I'm coming to you from our temporary lodging, which is on the Air Force Academy campus. And it's graduation weekend, so there are a number of loud aircraft that will be flying over. Hopefully not during this taping, but but possibly. So, you know, keep your ears um, perked for those. <laughs>
2: And hi, my name is Dwayne Richards, and I am an anti-racism facilitator, the founder of the Anti-Racism Fight Club. I am an author, keynote speaker, and also I am an advice columnist for Slate, for care and feeding. So you may have seen some of my writings. So I have two little kids, daughter, 10-year-old Emiko, and my seven-year-old daughter, Reiko. They both have Japanese names. My wife is Japanese. And I am coming at you from Los Angeles, California, where the wind chills and balmy 70 degrees today. It's nice. Love it. Welcome, Nguyen. We're
1: really happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. We are delighted to have another LA person just lording their weather, the delightful weather over us. But it could, you could have an earthquake at any second. Any second. Any second. On today's show, we're going to counsel a mom who had terrible acne when she was growing up and now is kind of stressing out over her son and his breakouts. And then we've got a question about a little boy who has gotten obsessed with gender norms. His mom is worried. She's also worried that maybe she's a little too worried. We'll talk to her about that. On Slate Plus today, we're going to talk to Deweyne about what it's like being a care and feeding columnist and a parent, and what happens when the advice you give ends up hitting really close to home. But first, we're going to start out with Triumph's and fails. Dween, what do you have for us on your joyous, glorious return to the show, a triumph or a fail?
2: Yeah. So I I think I had a fail last time, the last time, which was the first time. So I'm going to go with the triumph today. And it doesn't actually have to do with my own kids. This is kind of interesting. So as I mentioned, I'm an anti-racism facilitator, and I also train children between the ages of five and 12 on how to be anti-racist. And one white mom was just like, There's no way you're gonna get my five-year-old to sit still on a Zoom for an hour. There's just no way you're gonna do it, especially if he doesn't know you and all that stuff. It's like, look, like, I got this. I got this. Like, oh, there's no way. Trust me, I've done this a million times. And so I did it. This kid was riveted, and he from what I hear, he keeps asking his mom to come back again for another anti-racism session. And the mom's like, I don't know how you did it. How do you do it? And one of my friends, a white woman, a white woman named Karen, I mean believe this or not, like it's Pleasure. perfect. Perfect. So she's just like, hey Dween, I don't know how you do it. You're like the white person whisperer. You have a way of just relating to these people. So I it's it's cool. So I just love the fact that this five year old was able to hear my whispers of anti-racism blowing in his ear. And that sounds kind of dirty, but that's not what I meant. He just was really moved and it was awesome.
0: This is a huge triumph, like, and on many levels, right? The the sitting still and also the delivering of the message. I think this is great.
1: Boy, am I glad we have the white person whisperer on the show (laughs) this week. It's really, it's going to be great. Uh, Finally, someone who white people will understand. Uh, (laughs) All right. That is a great triumph. I am in awe because I would not be able to command a five-year-old's attention for even one second on Zoom. Elizabeth, what do you have for us this week?
0: Okay. Well, last week I shared what a terrible crash landing we had back into kind of post-pandemic life. So this week I'm sharing a triumph in that as we're kind of getting used to life here in Colorado and meeting up with some people, my kids are doing like great at making friends. and. Just being with new people, which I was nervous about, but we went to this um, concert they had on base outside at the golf course, and um, there were kids there, but it wasn't really aimed at kids, and Oliver sort of found a patch of trees to go play in, and then Henry ran off, and we were like, well, where did he go, and next thing we know, he is like, gathered all of the children there, all of them, all the ages, all the everything, and has gathered them into this large game of like stick tag, which is questionable. There was throwing of sticks and running around, but they're having a great time and just really watching Henry be like an includer of everyone. And he came back and he was like, I met these three new kids and they're all moving here too. And this, you know, kid is leaving and these ones are living here. And just like, Teddy was even over there playing, and even Oliver like tolerated the group, you know, ness of it all. So I'm glad to see like we haven't forgotten how to make friends. We're still includers, and that like we're going to be okay as we reintegrate fully, kind of into life here.
1: Congratulations to you on raising such a natural leader.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, stick. We could we could do better than stick tag. Yeah,
1: eh, Air Force <laughs> but, kids, will be yeah, fine.
0: exactly. What are you going to do?
1: They could all be flying F-14s with their dads, though, for all you know. Uh, that's a great one. I'm so glad that it's going a little better than uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, great triumph. I, you will be happy to know, have a fail. Uh, a classic school interaction fail. We got an email from the middle school, like the one of the counselors, uh, last week like a big announcement saying, hey, you know, we're very happy to announce that eighth grade graduation is coming up. Harper's graduating from eighth grade and it's going to be a great event. It's going to be a graduation ceremony on Zoom. And then they gave all the details for the graduation ceremony on Zoom. And I read the email and I I sort of snapped <laughs> a little bit. Now, i I didn't press send. Before I reread my email and then I reedited it because the first version I wrote was like, was basically like, what the fuck is this? Then I calmed down and I wrote, I'm sure that you guys did everything you could to try and find a way to do an actual event in person, including exploring all the wonderful outdoor options. But, and I'm sure that, you know, you're as sad as I am that it, that it just couldn't work out to do it that way. But I really think that, almost every parent who gets this email the first thing they're going to say is why isn't it outside and and i wish that you'd put something in the email just sort of acknowledging that just acknowledging we tried but we couldn't do it for x reason or y reason wouldn't that have been better and after this difficult year blah 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 i was very proud of myself for my reasoned response so i press send and i thought okay i'm angry but I kept it together. I sent a message which which I think will be useful to them, um, but which also I think makes clear how I feel about this situation. Like maybe 10 minutes later, I got an email back, not from the person who sent the original email, but from the vice principal. And even though as a child, I never got an email from the vice principal, obviously. (laughs) Email hadn't been invented yet, but it was amazing the thrill of horror that went through me (laughs) when I realized the vice principal had emailed me. So I opened the email and it goes, Hi, Dan. Arlington School sent out an email three days ago saying that all graduation ceremonies will be virtual. Thanks for writing. (laughs) So, for the 1,000th time in my children's school career, my fail is that I didn't read all the emails. Oh, man.
0: I love this so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. In my defense, I counted, and in the week... Previous to that email, the various Arlington School's email people sent me 14 different emails, Yeah, not including the two emails we get every single morning with links to the COVID symptom check. We get those emails on days that the kids are going to school in person, but also we get them on days that they're going to school virtually. Also, we get them on Saturday and Sunday.
0: (laughs) Also, maybe the school's email could have said, like, as per the district's
1: instruction that would have been great but nevertheless
0: but it didn't but you can still, see i still think the win though you didn't send the first email because that's that true been the so win much th- worse
1: the fact that <laughs> i didn't send the first email really win. it means that my child will be allowed to
2: graduate yeah so that's great was there an apology was there anything did you just like i just-, just wrote back oh ha ha, ha. <laughs> i think i actually wrote lol See, Dan, this is the thing. As they say in the streets, your apology needs to be as loud as your disrespect. And that's the thing. Like, that's what you have to do. You got to make sure that I think it was fine. I think it was a mistake any of us could make. But, you know, sometimes when you're on the opposite end of that, because I get those all the time when people are just like, "shoot first ask questions later. I'm just like, "Uh I'm just waiting for that nice apology. Just waiting for it. Thankfully, I'm
1: delivering it right here on a podcast listened to by millions yes eventually it's going to filter its way back to that vice principle <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh talk some business if you're not a subscriber to mom and dad are fighting well uh what are you doing what's going on subscribe to the show it won't cost you anything but it does mean that the episodes will just appear in your podcast app like magic every thursday instead of you having to search the internet for them, frantic, late at night, foaming at the mouth, desperate for your fix, we'll deliver it straight to you. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Hey, if you like the show and wish you could have a little bit more of it, I got great news for you. You can sign up to be a subscriber to Slate Plus. Then you get a bonus segment every single episode. Plus, you don't even have to listen to ads. You get the purely concentrated mom and dad are fighting experience on our bonus segment today. Dwayne's going to be talking about how giving advice has changed how he parents, what it's like being a care and feeding columnist uh, and professional advice giver, and also a parent and whether his kids believe he's actually qualified for that job. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear. If you have slate plus, what do your kids think about your uh, parenting advice career? Do they think it's bullshit that people ask you questions <laughs> about parenting? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's, I'm full of shit. So, like, not only do you get fun extra segments if you're a Slate Plus subscriber, but you'll also get bonus episodes for shows like Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood. Plus, you get to read every single article you want to on the Slate site without ever once getting one of those big interruption pop-up windows that are like, please subscribe. You won't get those. You'll have already subscribed. It'll be great. You'll love it. Most importantly you'll support the show. We can't do Mom and Dad are Fighting without the support of Slate Plus members. It's only a dollar for the first month. To sign up, just visit slate.com slash momanddadplus. Each week I write the Slate Parenting Newsletter. It's not only the best place to learn about all our parenting stuff, like episodes of the podcast, dispatches from Karen Feeding, from Doyan and Jamila and others, and much, much more, Not only is it all that, but it's also just a personal email from me every single week with stories about the family, stories about more and more parenting fails as they accelerate their pace in my life, uh, stories about cicadas. Sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. And finally, check us out on Facebook. You can just search for Slate Parenting in your Facebook portal of choice. It's a really good group. They're fun, they're active, they're very supportive. And we moderate it, so when they're not fun and supportive they get banned. It's a great place to get good advice and just to commiserate. Slate Parenting on Facebook.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today.
3: Your savings are waiting Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: Okay, back to the show. All right, let's get into our very first listener question today. It is being read, as always, by the merveilleux Shasha Leonard.
4: Hi, mom and dad are fighting. My son is 13 and is starting to get a lot of acne. I had terrible acne growing up and dealt with a ton of self-esteem issues relating to it. I have been open with him about my experience with it growing up. He doesn't like his acne, but he also hates taking showers and rarely remembers to wash his face. I don't know how much to intervene. I have given him acne face wash and we encourage him to shower daily. I don't want to harp on it too much, but I also want him to be able to get it under control if he can. Am I messing with his self-esteem by constantly reminding him to wash his face? Do I just leave the face wash in the shower and hope he uses it? I have been completely taken off guard at how much seeing his acne has brought back my horrible teen years. Part of me wonders if this is more my problem than his. Any advice?
0: My kids are obviously too young um, to be facing this problem yet, but I actually like think about this because... I also felt like skin issues were a huge part of my teen years and reflecting on that, like trying to almost deal with that now so that I don't reflect it on to my children. <laughs> but I, I think there's kind of two parts, right? Like there's this emotional part and you're feeling emotional about it, but there's also the idea that like you cannot shower and wash this kid's face. So he is going to have to do it. And I think you a little bit have to come to peace with it being his body and something that you are there to support and and love him as he chooses to do something about it. I definitely think buy the things, put them in the shower, have the stuff available, maybe also try to have have conversations about it that are not either reflecting on how you felt in a way that opens the conversation, but not putting that on him to feel the same way or Like, you have to do this. I I also don't know if there's a difference between, like, men and and women or boys and girls with acne. I know that for a while on TikTok, there was, like, a whole trending, like, um, boys with acne are cute. And that clearly has not happened for women. That may play into it, too. Like, it may have been a bigger deal for you than it is for him. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think. But I basically feel like you cannot make this child do anything that he doesn't want to do so all you can try to do is continue to be loving and supportive of him and who he is and there um, with answers and getting your doctor involved or whatever when he is is ready to do this oh i did want to mention one more thing though there is a wonderful um, episode of six minute sex ed Um, it's a little podcast and she has an instagram account and she just did a really lovely episode on body odor that kind of covers some of this. And I thought she had some great tips, but that's kind of aimed more at something you could even get him to listen to, to kind of talk about it and also coaching for parents. But what do you guys think?
2: This is all kind of new to me because I have smooth chocolatey skin and I don't really know what acne is. I hear it's something that white people get every now and I'm kidding. (laughs) You've been perfect forever. I'm kidding. I don't want the hate mail. I'm totally kidding. I've had acne before Elizabeth, you really, you crushed it. My The only thing I would add is that if the pain becomes too intolerable, like, I mean, the emotional pain, the dude's going to do what he needs to do to get his shit clean. Like, he's going to wash his face. He's going to wash his armpits. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to make sure he smells good, looks good, and takes care of himself. As a man who used to be a teenager, I know that impressing the opposite sex was something that was a big deal for me. And... If that means I need to wash my face two, three times a day in order to have that smooth chocolatey skin that I was just alluding to earlier, then that's exactly what I'll have to do. It is
1: amazing to me how, um, how the traumas of our own childhoods, the major and minor traumas, always seem to come back with our own kids. And like this letter writer, I've been surprised a million times at the ways that specific things that my kids face – Bring it all rushing back. Uh, And it can be a real challenge as a parent to not let that reaction drive the way that you are dealing with your kid and instead to listen to how they feel about it, which may reflect the way you once felt about it or may be their own quirky
2: idiosyncratic way of thinking about this problem may not even be a problem. And Elizabeth, you, be, you made another good point, too. I was just going to say, Dan, real quick, is that when you talked about the TikTok thing with the boys who look cute and how girls don't have that, you know, girls with acne looking cute, she's probably experiencing the pain of not being viewed as cute, where boys, especially in today's culture, now have the luxury of potentially being cute. So maybe it's not as big of a deal for this kid as it was for her growing up. And she's trying to, she's putting that pain that she was going through onto her kid. Potentially. TikTok trend is very funny.
1: It's like dad bod, but for teens. Yeah. All the evidence we have from this letter is her saying he doesn't like it. We, I don't get a sense of what those conversations really have been like. You know, she said she's been open with him, which I think is good, but I hope that she is also open to listening to him about how he actually feels about this and how much of an issue he truly views it as. And so I do think that even if he views his acne with the same alarm that you once did, the added memories that you are piling on top of everything for yourself means it's definitely more of a problem for you than it is for him, even if it's a problem for him. So start from that point. Mm. Start knowing... I need to shed at least a little bit of this weight of my past to help him deal with what he's facing as opposed to making him deal with what I was facing 20 years ago. That said, I also am a firm believer that it is your civic duty to tell a teenage boy 100 times a day to take a fucking shower because otherwise they won't. And then they will become a, an EPA branded super site that requires federal cleanup over the course of hundreds of years. Their room will have to be filled with concrete and your house will have to be destroyed. So whatever the case with this acne wash, I think you are totally within your rights to keep pushing this kid to take a fucking shower, to wash his face. Maybe it will work and maybe it won't, but I don't think it's going to do anything to his self-esteem I think that's just plain old parental nagging, which in this case you are entirely justified to do.
0: Yeah, I think some cleanliness standards in general with teens, but my best friend growing up hated taking showers. I don't know why, like when we were about this age, like 12 and 13, and I remember her mom having to like incentivize her to make sure she was showering. I mean, that's part of what we do as parents now. So I definitely see that. But you can't make him use the face wash, make him use the stuff. I definitely think like the showering is something you should incentivize. I I think also letting them know that treating it is important, like treating the acne is important so that you don't get scarring and other things and that there are things out there. Because since everyone gets it, I, I do sort of wonder if you feel like, well, this is something I'll just get through. and. Sometimes even just the information of like when you're ready to do this or that there are treatments for this. And when you're ready for that, I'm happy to be the person to advocate with those, either with a doctor or by buying over the counter stuff or whatever, you know, depending on the situation. But I just think if you like harp on it and Dan, like you said, coming from that place of pain, you may end up making it worse. So finding that balance between kind of informing and nagging is well, that's really hard for me. So, uh, you know, that's a hard place to be. <laughs>
1: Nag on the shower, inform on the face wash. That's the answer. <laughs> a great reminder that kids sometimes just think this is like their cross to bear. It's just part of being a teenager and it just sucks for five years and then magically it goes away. When in fact there are things you can and, and, and perhaps should do uh, above and beyond a face wash. And letting the child know that those options exist and that you're there to help with them when the time comes is a really great idea. All right, letter writer, we wish you the best. Let go of this teenage pain. Do your best not to deliver it all in a big in a big <laughs> package to your child and let us know how it goes. Uh, we'd love to hear a follow-up as, as your child starts to figure out just how great showering is. Other listeners, help us, help you. Send us an email at slate.com and we'll try and address your problem on the air.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: All right, now let's move on to our second listener question. This one's being read, for a change, by the superb Shasha Leonard.
4: Hi, Mom and Dad. I have a multifaceted question. I am mom to a a four-and-a-half-year-old boy who has gotten very stuck on gender norms. It's been important to me to raise my kid to know that they can be whoever they like, regardless of gender norms. And I thought I was creating an environment to foster that with the media in his life. Our conversations, encouraging all his interests from Hot Wheels and dinosaurs to manicures and musicals. I knew that around ages three to four, it was very natural for kids to obsess about this. But now we're here, and I'm constantly questioning if I'm handling it right or doing enough. A year ago, when he first asked if he could only play with boys, he quickly dropped it when I told him that he would exclude me and the neighbor girl, and he even reports that his best friend at daycare is a girl. But while he will play with girls, he harps on boy toys and girl toys. For example, he only wants his girlfriends to play with his girl action figures. He had a fit today when it was time to switch dragon toys, and he was going to be stuck with the girl dragon. And I had to cut the playdate short. I push back every time this comes up. There are no boy and girl toys. How would you feel if someone wouldn't let you play with a toy? But he holds fast. He's the only boy in his class at daycare, which seems to be exacerbating things. I'm worried he's going to suppress something he loves because it's a girl thing. Like the rainbow sandals he pointed out were pretty, but refused to let me buy because they're for girls. I'm worried about him becoming a sexist asshole one day if I don't do enough now. I worry that I'm worrying too much about this, and that if I keep pushing back, one day he'll shake it off, which is what my husband thinks. So, here are my questions. How do I contribute to push back against these ideas he has about boys and girls, and handle these playdate situations? How do I support him as he navigates his feelings of being the only boy in his class? Help. Help.
2: So this is a really interesting question, and I'm coming from it from a couple of ways. One is that let's just take the gender norms out of the way and just let's change it a little bit to race when I was like the only black kid in a room full of white people. And I wasn't comfortable doing things that a lot of the white kids did, but my parents were like, look. They weren't weren't worried about me. Like, you're going to figure this out. And a lot of times with four and a half year old kids, like we're going back to the gender norms, like we're so stressed out. We're filled with so much information. Like, oh my gosh, we got to make sure we get this right. We don't want our kids to be sexist assholes. I mean, a lot of this stuff, they're going to have to figure out on their own. But I think that for me growing up, when I was that way, I wanted to play with all the boy toys, the quote unquote boy toys. And I think... I mean, now I am a proud feminist. I am proudly raising two daughters. I was even invited to the White House when the White House was cool, by the way. Um, I mean, it's cool now. It wasn't cool for a short period. We get it. We get yeah. it. Right. 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 So um, to talk about as a person who really is a feminist, and I really believe that people are going to figure this out. Kids will figure this out. We expect so much out of our four and a half, five-year-old kids, and. It's not, we can't expect them to be perfect and have everything figured out. But that being said, you can still lay down breadcrumbs to ensure that they don't go too far down the rabbit hole of toxic masculinity. I think this is more around the realm of normalcy than anything to truly be alarmed by.
0: I think four-year-olds are complete assholes. Like my four-year-old is the worst. (laughs) Um, I love him so much. Uh, This sounds like standard four-year-old behavior, and when I read this letter, I'm like, stop harping on it, because the more you harp on it, the more power you are giving him to cause a problem with this. Like You are just (laughs) telling him, this is something that bothers me. I love, um, Dwayne, that you use the word breadcrumbs, because I think that is exactly what you need to be doing. You need to be saying these rules in a way that makes them sound like they are absolutely true, and that it doesn't bother you that they're that they're breaking them or challenging them so that that becomes his inner monologue, right? Like four-year-olds are all about separating things into boy things, girl things, you know, like like that is, that is what they're doing. I think there was even like there's this study like where they basically labeled things, they took like magnets and they told a bunch of people, these are boy toys, like a bunch of kids. And then all the boys wanted to play with it. And then they took a separate set of magnets and they labeled them girl things. And then boys didn't want to play with them because they were girl toys. So I think this is just like standard what kids at this age do they're breaking things into groups i wouldn't worry about it now if you want to have some house rules and i would take the gender norms out of it like if there's a boy dragon and a girl dragon you just say there are two dragons and everybody plays with them you know everyone gets five minutes with each and then we switch i wouldn't call them boy dragons i would just say you've played with that toy your friend wants to play with that toy we're now going to switch if that's a house rule if these kind of toys become problems remove them just remove the toys And put the dragons into a rotation, right? I think also ending the play date, that's a way to have kind of a natural consequence to this as well. I just wouldn't tie it so much to the gender stuff because I do think that four-year-olds really just kind of react to this. Um, There is a wonderful book called Parenting Beyond Pink and Blue, How to Raise Your Kids Free of Gender Stereotypes by um, Christina Spears-Brown, and she talks about this And kind of this age being difficult in that they're going to display these preferences for boy things or preferences for girl things and that that's okay and it doesn't mean you've done a a bad job. It doesn't mean that you're raising kids to like fall into specific gendered uh, identities i i think the big thing is just to make sure that your language and your positive approach like if your kid is a boy and wants to choose things that are for boys in the same way i think you know if jamila was here she would say it's okay for a girl to wear like frilly dresses and be into that if that's what they're into the idea is for you as the parent not to be assigning that to your child to let your child choose those things. I also think it's okay that he's he's the only boy in this class that it is it is okay to be somewhere different and that's a great life experience to learn and in the future may give him some empathy in other situations um where he as a male is, you know, one of many and someone else is, you know, the one person to say like I've had this experience or be able to draw on some of those feelings. So Hang, hang in there? I don't know, Dan, what, what do you think?
1: You guys have really nailed the, basically the specific challenge of parenting kids right around this age, which is you have to be able to lay down the law in as boring a way as possible to just state things as if they are obvious truths, even when they sound crazy coming out of your mouth, like, well, of course, you know, in this house, we don't drive trucks into the garbage disposal. But then you have to be consistent and not let them know just how insane it makes you that they keep putting their trucks in the garbage disposal for fuck's sake. And so it's exactly the same with this, as you guys say, the more you make this about your frustration that your kid is obsessed with gender, the more he is going to push back against that when, as Duane pointed out, it is the person he is at four And the ideas he has about gender at four are not reflections on you or his future or anything else. They simply are developmentally appropriate milestones. And the person he's going to be as an adult is going to be a reflection of all the things he goes through between now and then, and all the things you teach him and show him between now and then. And this is just going to be like a moat in the mirror at that, you know, by the time he's an actual adult. So yeah, like try not to stress out about it, remain consistent, dial back, your, uh, your total stress and worry about it as much as you can, mostly so, I mean, so that you don't drive yourself crazy, but also so that it doesn't convey in all your messaging to him about this. And I really think you'll be okay. It sounds like this is a thing you really take seriously. My hunch is this is also something your husband takes seriously based on the fact that he's not like dismissing what you have to say out of hand, but he, as you say, is encouraging you to just keep Messaging properly and that your kid will come around. So if both of you are unified on this front and you create a household in which buddy, there just are no such things as boy and girl toys, you know, oh, well, Uh, I think eventually this kid is going to be totally fine. Do you guys have any thoughts on? I agree with you, Elizabeth, that he'll be fine as the only boy in the class. Do you have any thoughts on messages that you might give the teacher or the son about? what it is that it means to be the only blank in this group, What, wh- whether that affects how he should behave in that class or how he should think about the experience or whether there's something you could be asking the teacher to do that might help him come to terms with this in some way?
2: I have a thought because being the only black kid in a class of white kids, I always... My teacher was just so amazing at just checking in with me, white woman, just making sure that I was okay. Never really even had to bring up the race aspect. She just knew that I may not be comfortable. So just checking in, getting that person's feelings, just making sure that he or she is feeling comfortable with what's happening during the day is super helpful. Also, just if you feel... The fact that he has a best friend that's a girl, I think, is a good thing. But somewhere, I don't know where it's coming from, he feels like it's not okay to like, quote-unquote, girl toys. And I guess I'm wondering where that's coming from. It's not coming from home. It's probably not coming from school. So where is that coming from? Is it coming from the media, some other place? That's one part of the story that I'm unclear on.
0: I totally agree with you. I was also wondering where that was coming from. And I do wonder, I mean, listen, girls girls can play a role, even if it's a class of all girls. It, it is very possible he could be getting this from a classmate, right? I've certainly seen girls tell my boys um, that's for girls, like, or that's a girl toy or, you you know, so there may be some of that. So checking in with the teacher about where he's getting that. I mean, the media certainly um, does, a, does a nice job in, <laughs> you know, telling boys what they should like and girls what they should like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I also feel like this is likely a temporary situation. Like, are, what are the odds that he's in another class of all girls next year? Right? Like, right. that seems really... Um, I don't know very many schools that try to put together groups (laughs) that are like all all of one thing and then one of the other in this day and age. Right. Like, I think most schools and daycares and things are striving for trying to put together um, groups that that are more diverse. Um, So if you're concerned, so this is
1: probably a problem for like three weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the most. I don't know. I mean, as a as a boy mom, it's like so nice when they have girlfriends, too. I think it just brings different types of play and different energy and, and different things. So, um, yeah, I'll, I mean, sign me up for an all-girl class for one of my boys in there. Mostly just Elizabeth, Teddy. Elizabeth, <laughs>
1: letter writer Elizabeth is offering to trade. Yes, yeah.
0: Your kid gets to come to my homeschool, though, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's very good. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh,
1: all right. Uh, I think we are unified on this one. Letter writer, we think you're going to be okay. Um, Try and, try and like dial yourself down and your worries down like six notches. Uh, Thanks for writing. Send us an update uh, and let us know how it's going. Everyone else. Send us a question. We feed on your questions as vampires feed on human blood. It's what we need to stay young and beautiful. So send them in dad at slate.com post it to the slate parenting Facebook group. Uh, we would love to hear from you and answer your question on the air. All right. Let's move on to the part of the show where we recommend items or concepts that we think you, our listeners would enjoy. It's a little section of the show. I like to call recommendations. Elizabeth, what do you have for us?
0: I am recommending an app called Luna, L-O-O-N-A, bedtime, calm, and relax app. And this is an app for people who want to meditate but can't sit still or are too busy or don't want to sit, like, in silence or in um, with nothing to do. Uh, that would be me. Um, As you go through the meditation, there are like things to do on the screen. So it starts out with a picture that's not colored and you're hearing a nice meditation and kind of a story form. And it says like, find the mushrooms. And as you touch the mushrooms, it colors them in. Find this thing. And as you touch it, it colors it in. It's wonderful. I was using it. Then I started um, using it with Henry uh, and then the other kids kind of got into it. And It's just been a really nice way to calm down, particularly since we've been traveling. We don't always have all of our tools with us, But in those moments of, like, very high stress where you just need to bring everyone down, it's great, it's on my phone, I can just say, like, who wants to do one of these stories? And we turn on the story calming music. Um, I just really like it. It does legitimately make me sleepy at night. I know you're not supposed to be looking at your phone. But sometimes when we're traveling, I don't sleep very well in new spaces. And so this has just been so wonderful. So it's called Luna, L-O-O-N-A.
1: I'm fascinated by this meditation app for people who don't like silence or stillness (laughs) the whole point of meditation
0: but this like makes you focus on this thing but it's producing it physically i don't like when i sit down to meditate it's like i have a million other things going on which i know is the point but i feel like oh i just need to get this perfect i just need to do this this gets rid of all that because there's something for me to do Uh and to calm me down
2: Deween, what about you what do you recommend yeah so (sighs) i hate to do this but I have to recommend something that I feel like is going to help you. And it's something that I am behind, which is my anti-racism fight club for kids. And it's not really it's one of those things that I have to bring up because I know it can help people. And I know that a lot of white parents have come to me and like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to talk to my kid about racism. I just I don't know how to do it. Like, I don't even know the first thing to tell him or her, around what to do, what to say, how to be anti-racist, how to deal with racism in person, how to deal with racist family members. So I looked around and I was like, you know, there's not a lot out there. So I was like, hey, I'm going to create something. So it's called the Anti-Racism Fight Club. And it's for kids between the ages of five and 12. All right. How can people find it? Oh, just go to my website, dweinrichards.com, D-O-Y-I-N, richards.com. My name is not phonetically correct, and that is really difficult. <laughs> it's Just like how did, and I could thank my dad for that. God rest his soul. But um, yeah, that's my name means royalty or son of the king. But it's still like it's a huge burden just to have to tell people how to pronounce my name all the time. But hey, I've been doing it for a few decades, so I'm cool with it.
1: You got a, you got a whole patter down at this point, right? All right. I'm recommending a book. It is just out now. It's called The Fifth Quarter uh, by a guy named Mike Dawson. It's a comic, a middle grades comic um, about a girl who gets really super into basketball, even though she's not very good at basketball at all. So it's very relevant to my childhood experience. As the kid who always loved sports, but was very not good at them at all, and was always picked last, but was still in there every single game. Um, It's very sweet. It's very funny. I would say it's perfect for fourth or fifth graders. I particularly love it because the author, Mike Dawson, um, got his book deal for the series that this is the first book in based on a comic that he drew for Slate about his own daughter's experience playing basketball. I edited that comic for Slate several years ago. He got a book deal out of it. The first book is out now and it's totally charming. I like it a lot. Once again, it's called The Fifth Quarter. Check it out.
2: That's awesome. All
1: right, that's it for our show. One last time. If you've got a question for us, email us, slate.com or go seek out the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Join it and post it there. We'll happily gank it from the group and bring it right here to the show mom and dad are fighting is produced by rosemary belson for elizabeth Newcamp and dween richards i'm dan kois thanks for listening
3: it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say